amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life, everything is energy. And that energy is interconnected and interdependent. In essence, that energy is one thing. Now, ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons. And now science is catching up. And it's not even new science. This science is over 100 years old, quantum physics. Um, And quantum physics speaks about quantum entanglement and the unified field, which all means, to keep it simple, all that means is everything is one thing and everything is connected. So what you do to another person you are literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is talking about race with Kaylin. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, Kaylin. How are you? (laughs) Hi, excellent, excellent. Thank Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for being my guest. Uh, thank you very much. Kaylin uh, found me on YouTube and connected with me, and she wrote a book. The title of her book is Talking About Race. And I, th- I just, when I saw the title of her book, I said, I wanted her as a guest on my show. <laughs> okay, so Kaylin, Kay- Kaylin, I sure. like, the, I'm trying to make sure I pronounce your name correctly because it drives me crazy when people call me Carolyn and I'm Caroline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, please, please share with our listening audience who you are and how you came about to write that book, uh, talking about race, and share, share with us, our listeners um, from your perspective and your journey. Thank you. Yes, um, I'm, the title of my book is Talking About Race, a workbook about white people fostering racial equality in their lives. Um, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and um, I married when I was about 20 and had two children, and I happened to be married in an interracial relationship, so our children are biracial. I'm a white person, and um, the journey through that whole experience which I'm still very deeply involved in and invested in, taught me a great deal. And I returned to school. I moved to Massachusetts, and I went to the University of Massachusetts um, at Amherst 
to get my college degree. And um, during that experience, that was 1993, 94, I got my degree in 2000. Okay. And throughout that experience, I was shocked at how, how much racism there was because I had raised my children in Brooklyn, New York, a very integrated neighborhood. And um, so I was really shocked. I was very surprised at um, how much white culture dominated the environment and how much the assumption of that right to do that was everywhere I went, even in classrooms. Mm -hmm. And of course, the classrooms are integrated. So I was really shocked at the lack of attention and focus on racial equality in a classroom, at a seminar, and also in the mentality of the professors. And having been, I worked in many different careers. I was a professional singer. I worked in politics. I worked in ch children's organizations. So I was very surprised that an educational system, frankly, would have so much racism in it. Mm -hmm. So I went to the Women's Studies Department. What I had started to do was to design my own course on it because somehow I would always be chosen to do the one to speak honestly and frankly about racism in a classroom. And, um, and of course, that was because I had more of an integrated experience with cross-cultural communication, probably, than many other people did. But I also felt the professors were relying upon me a lot because they also weren't adept at doing this, whether or not they were white or of color. Mm. So I went home and I thought, let me create a course that deals with this. So I did. I designed a course called Let's Talk About Race. Mm -hmm. And it was designed for the students so that they could start to formulate the simplicity of the impact racism has already had on their lives by the time they get to college. How much it's informed them about their self-esteem or the lack of, how much it has already informed them of their potential or the lack of. And I noticed in one class in particular, a cultural anthropology class where the professor was a black woman, that the when she would talk about cultural anthropology and the truth about African-American history in this country, White males especially would give her literally death threats. She'd get death threats at her door, under her door in the office. So, and I thought, well, this is so interesting that there's so much rage against knowledge. Mm. And yet, if you go into a math class, people, students are not threatening the math teacher because of an equation. Right. So again, all it did for me was demonstrated the intensity, the volatile intensity and hatred of racism combined with ignorance. Because mm -hmm. they're both joined, they're joined hand in hand. So I designed the course and I went to the Women's Studies Department. I was also working full time at the time and going to school full time at the school. It wasn't an online course. And I was majoring in Women's Studies and African American History and I already was a writer. I already had been published quite a bit and all of that. So I had decided to ask for permission to teach the course through an independent studies program through the Women's Studies Department. <clears throat> and they agreed and they said yes. So I designed the course and I taught it for a year while I was a full-time student and working full-time. And um, the response was really very, very interesting. And so the book that I wrote when I graduated, for two years I actually taught in, I did substitute 
school teaching as well, just to see what was the real climate outside of the university. Was it as full of problems? Was it as full of obstacles in grade school and in high school? And it was. And the obstacles were the staff. Say that again, I'm sorry, the obstacles were, I'm sorry, I missed that one. It was to racial equality, to having a concentration of energy on equality, mm -hmm. cross-cultural communication. Mm -hmm. Where was it really coming from? Well, it wasn't coming from the children, nor the adolescents. It was coming from their staff. I see. And the administration. So it validated what my concerns were and what I had learned through the experience of teaching the course. And so I decided to write a book about it and I had recorded everything. And then I sent, when the book was ready, I sent the manuscript to Crandall, Dossie and Douglas Books Incorporated and Jeff Hitchcock is the publisher. And, um, and he accepted my book within months, although we edited it quite a bit because it was a bit longer than it needed to be. Mm -hmm. So that turned out to be the book that you're aware of now. And it has a workbook in it so that people can actually process their own transformations mm -hmm. in, in the silence of and the solitude of their own writings. I ask people in the book to think about, number one, to use humility and a suspension of judgment when you begin the book, everybody. And um, that that's sort of what I find is most called for in, in, in tackling this work and then learning how to use the racial equality muscle is what I call it. Right. And also transforming and transforming the meaning of whiteness, which is given our history and the lack of knowledge about it and the denial about it and the lack of application regarding solutions for it, it seemed like a very appropriate request is to transform the meaning of whiteness. So it was um, quite an experience, and it just got into its second printing. Okay. And the noted and the noted educator and incredible person Howard Zinn had um, had praised it, and that just went on the cover of the second printing. Because at the time when the first printing came out, um, I had received it while I was already at the printers. So that now is on the cover, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> and he had loved it. And so did Tim Wise and many other notables in the profession, in the field, who work specifically on this area. Um, and then I started lecturing and I was, I worked with the National Organization for Women and I was their national, their keynote plenary speaker in Albuquerque, New Mexico a couple of years ago on the subject. Mm -hmm. And I've lectured at other colleges, Holyoke Community College, which in fact was the first college I went back to school for uh, at and they were wonderful, really wonderful community college. And um, so I've lectured there at other places around the country occasionally. And now I have another book that I'm writing that's finished that's going to get published soon called Protocol, Welcome to Paradise, Watch Your Step. So it's interviews with black men and how they navigate their way and their survival through predominantly white towns. Mm. Why they came. Uh, whether or not they were born here type of thing, and then how it's changing their values um, along the way, voluntarily and involuntarily, given the climate of racism in the country and in the, and in the community. And also the aspects of the changes that are taking place that are for the better in, the, in regard to this subject. So this is essentially what, how the book came to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Very interesting. Um, 
I, I, I'm listening very intently because um, I am a woman of color. And I always say that's how I refer to myself, but I don't identify with that. But I, I like to share a little bit about my <clears throat> my background in, in, in regard to race. Um, yeah. I was born, I guess what you would say, a middle class African-American family. I know on my mother's side, um, my great-grandfather was 100% Irish. Um, his wife, my great-grandmother, was part Cherokee and part African-American. So mm -hmm. I know on my mother's side, I have Irish, Cherokee Indian, and African-American. And yeah. on my father's lineage, I just know of African-American. So um, my parents sent me to Catholic school. I talk about that. I mentioned that a lot on my show because from a very young age, um, the Catholic school, um, the religious dogma never set right with me. For me, from a very young age, I was not consciously spiritually aware, but I was spiritually aware, meaning yeah. everything I did resonated from within. And it, it, regardless of what was going on in the outer, my outer world, it was my inner world that I followed from a very young age. So I never, my mom, because of her lineage, was extremely fair-skinned. Um, most people thought she was white, and she wasn't. Mm -hmm. I'll never, I'll share this little. When I was in kindergarten, and there was a little boy who had a crush on me in kindergarten, and uh, he and and but he would um, <clears throat> say, "Oh, mom, um, mommy's gonna pick you up, but daddy's gonna pick me up," because he wanted people to think we were brother and sister, he, you know, kindergarten. But anyway, I got teased by other kids because they would say, "Oh, you're adopted," and I said, "What do you mean I'm adopted?" So like, "Cause your mom is white." And I was like, "No, she's not." She's just very light-skinned. <laughs> yeah, this is this is how how a five-year-old, four-year-old, and five-year-old was taught. I was like, my mom's not white. She's just light-skinned. So the that that whole color issue thing was brought to my attention at a very young age. But to me, it's like uh, I was just thinking, these people, these kids, don't know what they're talking about. Um, and I personally never identified with my skin color. Um, I would even put on applications for school applications or job applications where it, it, it says race. I put other because I was like, yeah. I, I personally, why am I going to deny my Irish heritage and my Cherokee Indian heritage and just pick one of the three? I know I have, I have a lineage of three heritage that I'm aware of might be more. My children, my husband, my ex-husband is Chinese Jamaican. So my children mm -hmm. not only have Irish, uh, Irish, Cherokee, African-American, they also have Chinese. Okay. So it's a, mul I've always t thought of the world as a melting, uh, um, am I saying that right? A melting pot of yeah. culture. That's how I, from day one, from the day I popped out of the womb, I did not identify 
with my skin color. And now, here it is 2020, and I was awakened to the truth of oneness in 2007 by quantum physics, which was my uh -huh. awakening. Uh -huh. Now I truly don't identify with the color of my skin because I know that my, I, this is just a spacesuit. This is just, I know that I am a divine light and everybody is divine light. And we are playing a role and we select, you know, for this lifetime, we live hundreds and hundreds of lifetimes in the now. Um, and we select our spacesuit, okay? So this time I selected brown skin and short, I'm only 5'1". <laughs> This was my spacesuit for this life experience. And um, so I don't identify with it. Um, so it's, but it is interesting, my experience, I'm 58, um, how most people, majority of people do identify with their spacesuit, with their outer appearance and are uh, very attached to that. So that's why I found, yeah. I, I know the racial climate in this country has actually, um, I guess for lack of a better term, gotten more magnified in the past four years. Yeah. And um, I feel it's necessary because I feel like it's a necessary clearing that needs to take place. And a lot of times things will get like, muck will get settled at the bottom and you need to stir, you gotta stir it up to clear it out, to transcend it. So for it to actually get cleared and transcend it, it has to come up and come out. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you because I wanted to have a uh, talk about race from a spiritual perspective because I personally live my life from a spiritual perspective, from my spiritual awakening, from my understanding of who I am as a divine being of light. And that's everybody, not just me, everybody, all 7 billion people on the planet are divine beings of light. And we have all lived in every color of skin. You know, we've <coughs> been right. every color. Yeah. You know? So. Yes. So spiritually, because I know that you actually found me um, because of a spiritual um, guest that I had on the show recently that you're, you, you're familiar with. So um, just, I was wondering if you could share your thoughts from that spiritual perspective of race. Okay. Um, well, in addition to the work that I do, I have to include this in this answer. I am a psychic medium and I'm a spirit photographer. Oh, and, awesome. Yes, and my site is called Spiritually Speaking Photography and um, there's a dash there, spiritually-speaking.org. Okay. And 
so I would say that like I I can <clears throat> very much relate to you when you spoke about your childhood with respect to your interior life is what I call it. Mm -hmm. That was that resonated so deeply with not only this incarnation, but also the assimilation of previous incarnations. Because mm -hmm. you seem to have an sense you seem to have an intuitive identity that was in alignment with your spirituality. Yes. At a very young age. Yes. Okay. Now I also had that kind of inclination. I had that as well. I also was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I also was raised with all the indoctrination and the forms of oppression that go with Catholicism. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, and I went to Catholic schools into high school and then a Catholic university, Catholic um, college, and then I left that college in about seven months because <clears throat> I wanted a different education. <clears throat> and um, I married and had two children mm -hmm. instead. So uh, I identify very strongly with the interior life being very significant, that it informs us about, for me, I'll speak for myself, of course, as a white person, part of what I found very oppressive in my upbringing was racism. Mm -hmm. So I immediately identified as a very little girl with something being terribly inherently wrong about racism, like it made no sense to me at all. Right. Even though in my circle, in a sense, you could say that was all there really was. My father was an eye specialist. He happened to be the Dodgers eye doctor. Mm -hmm. He was Jack Robinson's eye doctor. Mm -hmm. But he also was, he was um, bipolar and had psychotic breaks and was an alcoholic. So we had this mix of upper class um, type of situation <clears throat> and all of the vast horrifying contradictions within that family system. Mm-hmm. That is controlled by racism. Mm, okay. Yes. Um, my dad so, was a dentist also. He was, um, you know, yeah. just of, um, in the, both my parents were in the medical profession. Okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> my mother was also a stay-at-home mother, but she was um, an alcoholic as well. Mm, and okay. my sister, Catherine McCall, wrote a book called, um, oh, for a minute, I can't believe I forgot the name of the book. That's okay. No she wrote worries. a book about our lives. Catherine McCall wrote a book about her childhood. Uh-huh. Specifically wanted to write about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, anyway, in the developmental stages, I found there was a duality inherent in my community about anybody of color, even an Italian friend of mine, you know, who was somewhat you know, darker complexion mm -hmm. than a white than an Irish person. Right. Um, she was um, really kind of demonized right away and humiliated right away. And it was the most bizarre thing because I'd be at her house and her family was so beautiful mm -hmm. and so loving. So right away, I was just looking at sort of the inherent contradictions in white psychology regarding, let's say, the church and humanitarianism. Right. And, and aspiring to, for this, this, constant um, assumptions of betterness, their greatness, their wholeness, their humanitarianism. And then, of course, you walk into any household and it's so full of 
um, <clears throat> hatred of other people that they don't even know. Mm. That it, to me, it was the most bizarre, outrageous contradiction in to live with every day as a child and adolescent. Because there aren't easy, immediate solutions to that when you're a child and adolescent. The solutions come when you're a little older for most of us, for many of us. <clears throat> Minded. Right. Excuse me. <clears throat> Minded. Right. So in any um, you know, I was trying to sort these things out as a little girl and adolescent a lot. And um, and then my head, I had my daughter and my son. And, um, and of course, they're biracial. Their father is black. And he was a Vietnam veteran. Mm -hmm. And we got along right away. We became friends immediately. <clears throat> and the whole thing was just a, a really remarkable blessing, spontaneous blessing, and lots of good humor and tremendous happiness. Mm -hmm. So we both figured, oh, we're not going to pass this up. No, no, no. <laughs> No. You know? Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, and then we had children right away. We got married right away. We got married in a church. Right. And there was a lot of opposition to the marriage. In fact, my parents tried to have the archbishop forbid, forbade us to marry. <clears throat> so they tried to go through technical legal terms to have us not be able to marry. We married anyway. Right. And what, we year, what, are married. what year was mm -hmm. that? What year did you it get married? It was 1970. 1970. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 1970. <clears throat> and, um, but we knew what we had, and we knew that we had a very sound friendship for the rest of our lives that we were certain of. Marriage, we knew, was a little bit like, oh, we don't really know from what we see of marriage. <laughs> you know, we don't see much that we would care to be a part of in it. <clears throat> However, for us, we weren't something else. We were really basically married. That's how mm -hmm. we, our union just happened to be that kind of a union. Right. So we married and we had both children and I continued to develop in certain ways I hadn't really anticipated and and he did. So we had a very friendly divorce about nine years later. We went together to the lawyer. Um, the lawyer said it was extraordinary, our relationship. We went out to lunch afterwards and we co-parented for the rest of our lives. Right. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, we loved our children. We loved our children equally. Yes. So whatever was whatever we were not um, in harmony about ended up did mattering enough, you know, to live separately, but mm -hmm. with tremendous respect for one another. We never spoke poorly of one another in front of our children or to anybody else. And there was really no reason to because our relationship was really a work in progress. It was, and it was going to be as a white person. When you, when you integrate, <clears throat> you're going to be, there's a great deal of work to do for the rest of your life on that relationship as far as I'm concerned. <clears throat> so there was a lot for me to pay attention to, a lot to me to be very careful about, a lot for me to protect. Okay. And my children were raised black identified, absolutely black identified. So, um, and we both shared in this effort to make sure that they were at peace with their identities and with their interracial selves, their biracial selves. And, um, but as a white person, I was learning again and again how isolating, how alone I was in my own perspectives regarding racism because most everyone I knew who was white really didn't care, didn't get it, or were racist, period. Well, um, so those I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry. I, I want to jump in here because I, 
I, I am trying to, to take this to a different type of conversation in the sense mm -hmm. that the core, the core of all um, issues as for, and racism being um, definitely the core of that issue is the thought that we're separate. Yeah, right? true. Right. Yeah, very true. And when, when, when you wake up, and understand that you're not separate. You're not separate from any, when you wake up and remember, <clears throat> excuse me, you are first, yes. you're first a divine soul. Yes. <clears throat> and you've had many life experiences and you have had a life experience as that other race. This, yes. this is, this is, so this is the, I want to take the conversation to yes, that I level. I hear you, yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> in the sense that not identifying with what I call the spacesuit, because it's a space, yes. and it's a spacesuit that we each choose. And yes. and for this life experience, I've chose this spacesuit. For this life experience, you chose that spacesuit. But we're not separate. We're one. Right. And um, I think so. The I, I want to share with you a conversation I had just yesterday which I found right. very interesting. And I was so glad I had this conversation. I had, it wasn't planned, but it was a perfect conversation to bring into this discussion. I, mm -hmm. te I teach piano lessons and primarily I teach private lessons from home. But just recently I started teaching preschool at, at a preschool um, one hour, um, twice a week. I teach, uh, to three-year-olds to five-year-olds um and i was so i was there at the preschool yesterday teaching and after i finished teaching there's a gentleman that works there he's african-american and he's actually because uh, i knew he has an accent he's actually born in jamaica now where when he came to america i can't recall because he, he didn't um i didn't have a chance to ask him that but after I finished teaching the class, he just asked me, oh, how am I doing? I said, I was fine. And then we started in the conversation. I'm not sure how he got on the conversation that, okay, the, the preschool I teach at is primarily African-American and Hispanic students. Um, and he somehow interjected that the kids had no chance um, because society, first he said society is against them, then he changed the word from society to the system is against them. And I'm like, I'm listening to all, and I said uh, all this, but I said, and then I, I tried to interject to him, it's mind over matter. You know, it's, it's nothing I know, regardless of yeah. my skin color, regardless of my education, regardless of anything, I know if I put my mind to something, I can achieve it. And my, I, I was brought up that way. I was raised to know that I can be anything and do anything. Um, yes. And so he was steeped in this um, thinking, victim mentality thinking, basically, that because of skin color, that these kids didn't have a chance in life. And, I'm, and these, are, these are preschoolers. Um, yes. So it was a very interesting conversation. Yes. I also I also want to interject that he was every time I let him speak and I listen, and then when I would open my mouth to say something like it's mind over matter and 
Um, it's oh, his solution was okay. His solution was we should only buy from black enterprises, like um, you know, only buy from black businesses, and I'll go back to Africa. That's his solution. I'm like, so very steeped in separateness and very steeped in victim mentality. And I, and every time I even tried to open my mouth to say something, he cut me off. And I pointed that out to him twice. I said, you yeah. don't, you don't even let me finish a sentence. And, but <laughs> he called himself open-minded. Okay. But, yeah. and, but how he felt, what he was um, sharing with me, I know is, is in a lot of people's minds. So yes. now you spoke about racism from like the white people domi being dominant over black people, but there's also, and I've seen this all my entire life, that yes. there are black people are racist against white people. Um, they go back into slavery, and then he even brought up slavery, and I'm like, we're in 2020. And he's like, yeah. oh, you, oh, you don't think we're still enslaved? No, I'm not. <laughs> you know, but right, right, uh, right. you know, so so the mentality of, and I've seen this and witnessed it my entire life. The mentality yeah. of a lot of black people are they're still enslaved. The system is keeping them down, and and this victim mentality. When I know in truth. There are no victims and there are no villains. There are no, there are no victims, there's no villains, there's um, all there is is us and we are designing our entire life from yeah. our spiritual higher self for a reason. Yeah. yeah. So, so go ahead. So yeah. from that spiritual, and I'm, I'm so, I, you actually did tell me that you are a spirit photographer and I did get some something in the mail from you i haven't had a chance to open it yet sir. Okay, but i did get it i did get it the other i think i got it out the mail yesterday but, um so from that so and i didn't know you were a medium because i've had yeah. several, mm -hmm. so um from okay. that spiritual perspective yes mm -hmm. yeah, your thoughts well on i think that um with well if you have a certain advantage, let's say you have a very strong spiritual philosophy that you've already determined for yourself, right? Yes. That's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. It is something that, <clears throat> for the most part, most of the people I know um, have, have, have tried to establish for themselves or have established. And, you know, I think that you know, we're really blessed to be conscious of the oneness of all while we deal with other issues that have to do with, we could say the illusion of separation, but for others, the fact of their belief of separation as a result of how they've interpreted reality, that mm -hmm. they're living it. Do mm -hmm. you see what I mean? Yes. For that For that gentleman, it sounds to me, there is, <clears throat> number one, a great deal of depression going around in communities and that one needs to try to separate possibly um, some form of a depression or a strain of that and still try to discern for themselves 
what better serves them philosophically, what better serves them spiritually regarding their own futures and how to attain a degree of optimism and self-empowerment and peace mm-hmm. because that's, those are the elements that, at least for me in my life, have certainly proven to be very effective for me in a very positive way with very positive outcomes. Right. I think to some extent, like you had Pam Gregory on your show recently. Yes. And she wrote about co-creation. Mm-hmm. And we are co-creators. When we have that awareness that you have, my understanding of it and my own, then we do take on a certain level of acquiescence and responsibility for the fact that we are creating. We're in the process of creating. Um, and in that process, we're trying to affirm and affirm each other's experience and inspire one another mm-hmm. to return again and again to that consciousness that we're working together, that we are in union together. In my spirit photography, it shows that we are all connected. It, it, each photo is connected to another photo. There's some connection always in space. Space is not space. It's another form of connection. It's another portal. It's leading to another image. It's leading to a different kind of activity that the people in the photographs are engaging in. Yes. So there's this constant continuity, this constant substance that we could say we're all a part of. Yes. Okay. And I appreciate very much what you're saying. So I want to give it the utmost respect, you know, within this conversation right now. Mm-hmm. Because it is so important for us to be more convinced of how connected we are than how separated we are. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And to come to terms with the conditioning of certain institutions that have tried to again and again and do that to this day, try to reinforce the negative, try to reinforce um, the ego, try to reinforce separation, right? Yes. Which leads to, to what? War. Only utter <laughs> War, to chaos. War. Yes, and crime. Depression. Yes. Violence. Yeah, things we fear, don't want, really want. Yeah. Precisely. The things we don't want, the things that I think many of us have come into this incarnation knowing we don't want that. And trying to figure out how are we going to work this out then? How are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. Since there is so much of that, right? Right, correct. Because, because part of having a spiritual philosophy is not going off on our own, you know, little world about it, but it is about doing what you're doing on your show, which is trying to integrate, reveal it, and share it, and yes. affirm it in others. Yes. Right? Yes, correct. That you are not isolated. You are not alone. Exactly. We are working through, we work our issues through independent of one another. We may do that. We may engage in the sharing of that process with one another. Mm-hmm. But we are one. We yes. are one. And everywhere and I, you look, you see that. Oneness is everywhere. In nature, in science, in and, and the core of all religions is oneness, unconditional love. It's at the core of all religions. Um, and we have much more in common. I mean, as a, as a humanity, 
Yeah. But we want the same things as a human. Yeah. So it's it, to understand that to to understand that the way the way out of what we're in right now, the way out of all of our problems is to understand that we are truly one and connected. We don't have to have the same religion, have the same color skin. It, we don't, it doesn't matter where you're born on the planet. We're all one. And when we understand that there are no borders and that yes, we're unique, we're each unique. So we have, we're a unique aspect of God. That's who we are. And when we wake up and understand that, all you have for another is love, unconditional love. And like the gentleman I was talking to yesterday, I have nothing but unconditional love for him. But I see that his mindset is where he's still very much asleep. When I, when I encounter people that are very much asleep to the bigger picture, the bigger reality, I just think of them as like watching a little toddler try to walk. You know, your, your one-year-old's trying to walk and they get up and they fall down. All you have, but look, you watch that toddler, you know how to walk, you know how to run, but this toddler is still just trying to get there. And all you have for them is love. And all I can do is try to share in a loving, because I never argue. I didn't argue with this gentleman. And I said to him at the end of the conversation, I agree with you 100% about what you're saying about society and the system. But I focus on only the positive, and I know for me, nothing can hold me back. I can't, because it's all mine. I said to him several times, it's mind over matter, and science has proven the, 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 has proven the truth of mind over matter. Um, so if I put my mind to something, I can do it. Nothing can stop me. So... Um, I was just trying to get across to him. I'm not arguing with you and I'm not disagreeing with the validity in some of the things that you're saying, but I'm not focusing on the negative aspect of society. I'm focusing on the positive and I'm focusing on my innate power to overcome anything outside of me because I am, I know my connection to the divine and I know knowing that connection I am all powerful so mm -hmm. um I just wanted to share that kind of share that light with him I don't know how much he like I said he kept cutting me off and some a lot of times people will talk and not listen <laughs> yeah but uh, sometimes I, I'm always trying to shine my light and plant seeds wherever I go sure sure yeah um and I do that about racism specifically. Mm -hmm. So when I do it with very clear contextual information, references, analogies, stories, mm -hmm. and by listening to others discuss right. their, their issues with it, the problems that they've had with it. Um, because problems do come from other sources, even in our oneness. Mm -hmm. When, um, expand on that a little bit. I'm a little lost. <laughs> well, problems do, you know, I speak to, let me put it this way. I think that people are really traumatized by a variety of things in the culture. And in the process of acknowledging one's oneness, 
and reinforcing it again and again, it it never has meant that we are at liberty to to be in denial of something that's been conflictual for us, okay? Mm-hmm. Or some degree of trauma we've experienced, because that's also part of the healing process. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's my opinion. Okay. Uh, I also find that people who believe deeply in difference are the ones who, who are the agitators and the initiators, do you know what I mean? To rile things up, mm-hmm. to create more conflict. Um, but there are reasons for that because in the culture there are significant psychological problems and issues in the culture that you just can't walk out of or walk away from or be free of as far as I'm concerned without identifying and assimilating some of this and then trying to, to find words for it in order to release yourself from whatever hold it may have on you that is interfering in your peace, in your mm-hmm. harmony, in your abilities, in your freedom. And that's where my work comes in, because that's the kind of work that I do on this subject. I, I understand. That's kind of, I, I don't know if you remember what I said, that it, it's what needs to happen. It, is ha- it does have to be shaken up. Yes, to, yes, exactly. To, exactly. So it can transform. So I think for many years, it might have been just settling on the bottom, and late of of the last four years, it's actually gotten stirred up and shaken. Exactly. Up. And spirit told me that was needed. That yes, that, I agree. Because it yeah. can't, it can't transform if you're hiding it away in the closet. It can't transform. You have to well, work in the closet. Yeah. You have to sure. let things have to shake up and stir up, so it and can. That's kind of- I'm sorry, and that's kind of my role is bringing things out of the closet and enabling people who are interested in bringing the issues and the trauma out of the closet. There's so much transparency now. Yes. Right? Yes. So much transparency mm-hmm. that people can't that they have a lack of exposure to these particular issues anymore. Right. That's gone. That's gone because of technology. It's gone because of the blatant offenses yes. and trauma mm-hmm. that's being inflicted on people mm-hmm. who are innocent and on children who are innocent. And um, so in order to correct this pattern, I agree that it had to be unfolded. It had to become transparent. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. I think in a sense, in a sense, ideologically, we're very fortunate to be able to have this breath of experience, which really eliminates denial. It really dissolves denial. Yes. In my generation, denial was key. It was number one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You, pushed, you, pushed, you were trained to push things back. Mm-hmm. If you did not push things back and under, you were punished. Yes. When you were punished, you suffered. Now, this is the way the patterns are. This is what human experience is. And this is part of it because we have the other. The duality is our spiritual nature and how it defines us and redefines us and shapes us and embraces us and cares for us and graces us. To me. 
Mm -hmm. So there's this duality factor. There's the I am who is very incarnate, wrapped up in the mundane. <clears throat> you know, couldn't find a piece of paper this morning. It took me 20 minutes to find a piece of paper. I was sure I left out right on the table. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's uh, that. Okay. Uh, and right. then there is the internal. I call it the interior life. Right. Which is completely magical, totally right. cosmic, totally connected, completely inspired, right. and profoundly loving. Yes. And as a result of that, somehow or other, I am the recipient of incredible, incredible, beautiful, an incredible, beautiful sense of being provided for internally. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I'm connected. Because I'm connected to others. I'm connected to the welfare of others. I'm connected to the divine. As far as I'm concerned, I'm connected. In fact, I'm writing a book about it called Spiritually Speaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, because there are multiple ways in which the spirit speaks to us and speaks through us. Yes. Right? Yes, 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 yes. An well, enormous amount of ways. Exactly. Yes. And, I, and I do see that. I see that there are 7 billion of divine souls on this planet alone, many more, but they're on this, this planet there and Gaia, Mother Earth is a living being as well. Um, yes. So all of these and, and so each individual soul is creating their reality. So from the inside. So and yes. then and, and then there's a collective, there's the collective consciousness. And, and we are living in wonderful times, 2020, where the collection, collective consciousness is awakening to yes. mm -hmm. unity consciousness. Now, we've lived yes. eons and eons and eons in separation consciousness. And from yes. that consciousness, we have gotten, we got war, we have crime, we have severe poverty, we have all kinds of illness and disease, all of that comes from separation consciousness. Now, yes. we are gradually, as a collective, moving towards unity consciousness, oneness consciousness. And when we get there as a collective, we will be living in a utopia. We will be living peace on earth. There will be no poverty. There will be no disease. There will be we we will literally be living in a utopia and a lot of people i know i say this and i that's the mission of my show is to awaken the world to oneness so we have world peace i say this all the time people look at me like i have two heads and i know that it's coming i know that yes. that's where we're moving to yes yes and i do i you know and i also agree and i think that the I think what's happened in the last few years is people are coming more and more to terms with their spiritual nature, with their divine nature, with eternal life. Mm -hmm. Okay, with unity, with the utopia that you're speaking of, because we're seeing the other fall away. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Falling and away. Other, and the other has to. It's kind of like a birthing. It's kind of like yes. birth, we're going through birthing pains right now, and you gotta to create the new you've got to destroy the old and what's going on right now is the shaking up and destroying of the old so that period that we're going in through right now is 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 a very rough period but it's a period where 
when those that are awakening and awake has to stay grounded the uh, the eye of the storm you have to stay grounded in the truth the the awakening the the spiritual truth that you know first first of all we are spirit creating form so we have to stay grounded in our spiritual spiritual knowledge and our spiritual knowing say stay calm in the midst of the storm because we are it, it it's be the eye of the storm is what i say that's how we have to move through this time because once we're through this time that's when we 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 awaken to a new dawn a new dawn of humanity an awakened humanity yeah yes yeah absolutely and i believe that that is what's happening yes and people are talking about it more freely than they used to 10 years ago yes yes all right there's more storytelling going on mm -hmm. there's more of a lack of faith in the external um, view of what is of value people are tuning more deeply into their own sense of balance exactly. and of value exactly. which i think is really good because the belief systems are no longer feeding us they're not nurturing or they're not helping us grow you know these the belief systems that we're exposed to yes you know, through greed through celebrity through sexual addictions you name it yes what the exposure is a lot of people know oh this is this is nonsense this is the last hold of desperation for mm -hmm. those things to be of greater value than your interior life exactly exactly and it does That's it, how I see it. it is our it, it's our inner self that creates the outer form so once as a collective we all understand as we one by one and we are all so important like rumi says you're not a drop in the ocean you are the entire ocean and it drops yeah. out. each of us each of each one of us is all of god not a piece of god but all of god in a drop and yes. at, and that little drop like you drop a drop in the ocean and how it just uh ripples yeah oh and that's that's what we are with that drop that will ripple out through humanity through the world and also through the universe that's how powerful we are as little drops of god little whole holographic meaning all of god in a drop so sure. Sure. yes i think it's 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 wonderful that we're living in wonderful times and the truth from spirit from our spiritual self our higher self we we signed up for this we want it to be here for these exciting times yeah mm -hmm. So it's yeah. really, really awesome. I love the work that you're doing and I love that. And I'm definitely going to check out um, the spirit, spirit photography. And like I said, okay. I, I just found out during the show that you're a medium. I didn't realize that. So are you still yes. located in Massachusetts or where are you located? Yes, I'm living in Massachusetts, yes. Okay. So okay. I have, I'll give you my website. Yes. So one about yeah, I want you to share your website with our listeners, please. Yes. Okay, great. 
And also, my sister's book, Catherine McCall, the name of the book is Never Tell. I'm sorry, I forgot about it for a moment there. That's okay. But it's Never Tell. So, and, um, but at any rate, the, my website for the race work is K-A-O-L-I-N-L-T-A-R dot biz, B-I-Z. Okay. And my spiritually, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, hmm? I that's my please, website. Yes, but please, please share your other website for the spirit work. So that is spiritually-speaking.org. And the other one is on Facebook, spiritually-speaking photography on Facebook. I do a great deal on Facebook because I have such easy access to it rather than through the website. But the website has GIS of the spirit photography with specific themes and a great deal of information because the spirit photography actually began in 2007. Mm -hmm. It was my children's father who passed in 2010. Okay. So he had, open heart, he had open heart surgery. I knew about it in advance. I let him know. And he went and had his heart tested and his aortic valve was seven centimeters dilated. So they took him immediately to the special specialist hospital in, Lee, in um, Randolph, Massachusetts, performed the surgery, he survived. Afterwards, he was a spirit photographer. He was also the president of the Veterans for Peace chapter in Western Mass, the first black president of it, and also worked with the Veterans Education Project after being a fireman in New York City mm. for 25 years. Okay. Now, in addition to that, the spirituallyspeaking.org, you must have the spiritually-speaking.org. That's important, mm -hmm. the dash. So now what happened in August, that had been George's gift. That was not my gift, but I, we put up the site. We told stories because there are narratives about the photos. Some of them were prophetic. All of that's on the site. Okay. But in August, all of a sudden, I became a spirit photographer. I did not plan to. I did not intend to. I did not know anything about it. I did not even use a cell phone, okay? Okay. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden it was all synchronized as these things are, right, spiritually yes. speaking. Yes. And there was a different plan for me. There was an extension of what I was doing. And um, there was a lot of extraterrestrial activity. The photos are in the, on the website. And all I do is take a photo of something and there's light in it. When there's light, there's people and animals and angels and other wow. beings that come out in the photo. Amazing. Yes. And they tell stories. For example, one client, she sent me a photo. She had a shadow over her eye. And it turned out that the shadow in the story was telling me that she had had something wrong with her eye. And in adolescence, she explained she didn't have to see a specialist for it. So the shadow was showing me a part of the body that had difficulties at mm -hmm. some point. This also happened with the cat. In fact, one of the things I sent you has the photo of the cat. Okay. And that cat's right eye. And it turned out the right the cat was deceased, but had been coming back to tell its family it had a problem with the right eye that was never fully repaired. So uh -huh. it's not like in a um, critical way of, right. of hurtful or anything. It's just information because part of the Part of the beauty of eternal life, as far as I'm concerned, which we're all a part of, is communication. Yes. It's communication. Yes. So it's not communication with attack or criticism or sarcasm or any of that. 
It's just, oh, this is what it had. That's why, that's why I kept looking at you this particular way because I actually had a problem with that eye that wasn't fixed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas yes. the family thought, yes. oh, the eye just healed on its own. It didn't have the scratch anymore. Must be okay. And right. the cat came back. Oh no, it wasn't really okay. I love you deeply, but no, it wasn't okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, right? true, 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 true. Well, okay. I, and I, um, I think part of what. So anyway, and all those photos, I began to put them up on the site because they're fascinating. And also, it just happens spontaneously. I don't do anything for it. It has nothing really, in a sense, to do with me except that it's an extension of my psychic gift that I've already, that I already basically have had. Right. Um, but it's much, much more so. It's visual. It's visual. What they are, visual representations, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, of afterlife being alive. Alive. When people pass away, they're not in some kind of a haze or something of not doing and not being. They're completely, completely full of life. That's my understanding from these photos. And when you see the photos... <laughs> I get 100 viewers um, a week oh, on wow. the site, awesome. and I don't do any promo. I don't have any ads anywhere. I just do my Facebook stuff for me, the right. website for the general public, and that's really it. So I just got those particular little PR pieces that I just sent out a mailing yet the other day, and you received yes. yours. I got it. But, I got um, it, and I'm definitely checking it out, yes. And that's why I'm writing about it. So because they are amazing, it is amazing, and... So if people send me their photo, any photo of somebody alive or who has passed or an animal or several people, right away I can see if there's something in it or not. And then I'll just run it through my cell phone. I take a copy. I ask people not to send in originals, only copies. They can take a picture of it and that's fine, not right. original. So, um, and then I just take a picture of the picture mm-hmm. on myself. And my cell is a very cheap cell. I don't even have a carrier. I renew it every couple of months when I want to. Right. <laughs> so it's not an economic thing. Right. And um, <clears throat> so at any point, any rate, I just take a picture of it, and then people and animals start appearing in it in my cell for several days, and then I send them back to the person for um, for them to have it, of course. Wow. And the photos of people are from centuries ago, centuries ago, mm. all over the world. Um, and in the sky, what they're what they're actually doing in the other dimension, other dimensional beings. Some look very flavor, beautiful, illuminating, angels, wonderful. Others are more, far more forbearing, mm-hmm. much more somber, even mm-hmm. frightening. To me, I don't interpret that any particular way necessarily because I don't know enough about I don't know enough about that to do that. But right. I just show people. I give people back what appears. I charge fifty dollars for it, and it's five dollars off right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. And um, so it's been another fascinating area that I really had no real, right. I was informed by spirit, of course. That's right. something very deep going to go on in August and that it did, it did apply to me. And, mm-hmm. I would, and I would be just to be conscious of it. Well, I thought it was going to be a personal thing as things happen in people's lives, <clears throat> family, friends, you know, some kind of looking at it that way. And then all of a sudden it's anything but. It is wow. this incredibly cosmic experience of downloaded extraterrestrial activity. They're clearly extraterrestrials and they're giving us information and they're yes. here and they're on, and they're on this level of our lives. Yes. People can't see them. You can see them through cell phones more than um, with your eyes because of the pixels mm-hmm. in the cell phone. 
Mm-hmm. So if you do, <clears throat> so I'm also kind of encouraging people and putting down. So check out your own photograph, see what's actually coming up. Yes. Um, and it's an ongoing thing. It's almost like slideshows. If I do an editing of a photo, let's say from a week ago, and I go back to it today, because of the attention I'm giving it, more people come in. Mm, yes. Isn't that fascinating? And it's alive. It's not, it's not, it's movement. They're yes. doing things. They're looking straight at the lens to me. Like, don't ignore me. I want you to see me. Yes, I, I want you to have me. Yes. So I've been trying to record this as much as I possibly could while I have other things to do because my other career is actually the the racism work. Right. Right. Well, it's it's very it's very interesting you just said what you just said because I was listening to an old show I did um just yesterday. Very rare I go back and listen to one of my shows. But I was listening yes. to a show yesterday with a medium. This is from at least 2 years ago. Um, yes. actually it was exactly two years ago, um, that March of 2018, I did a show with another medium, Suzanne Wilson, and she mentioned to me that when, um, she was startled by spirits, um, when they were, you know, started coming, she had a near death experience and they started, she always saw spirits, but she kind of pushed it away and shut it off from the time she was young, but then her near-death experience had, it was like they were coming really stronger. And it startled her, but she was told by one of her guides, you know, why don't you just ask them what they want? And so then she did. And when she, she found out, and she said this to me, me during the show, she found out what most spirits want is just to be acknowledged. Like, yeah. They do, because, yeah. Yeah, yes, just, it's so just, true. And that's what yes. they, and you can see from the photos that I have that are constantly, I mean, they would want me to do this 24 hours a day, yes. <laughs> you know, so many. And so I had to actually stop for a few days and then mm -hmm. kind of test it and, and um, all of that. And so I think that the, to me, so far, so far, and it's a so far thing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it's all new. Right. To me, what it really is, is they really want us to see them they want us to relate to them as if they are present mm -hmm. because they are present. Yes. So that if we deny their presence, it's hurting them. Yes. I've had visions and this and that through the years of people. And in, in one of them, a friend of mine, uh, one of the, my clients actually had held on to her father's ashes. Mm -hmm. And he came to me in a dream. And he said, please tell her to get rid of them. He said, it's holding me back. Because mm -hmm. her attachment to that that strain of grief is mm -hmm. holding him back. Because love is eternal, and because yes. back to what you're saying, we are one. We are yes. one. Yes. So if she's holding on to grief, that's a disbelief that he lives. Exactly. He's impacted by that disbelief. Yes. Do you see this what I mean? True. Yes. His yes. development is his development is impacted by her attachment. And to a certain degree, attachment is always a lack of faith. And I think for many of us who are very faith-driven, um, a lot is expected of us, but we, but we do it. We work it. We do it. And part of it is, let's not get into denial about our faith. Let's not get into denial about life. Let's mm -hmm. not get into denial about eternal life. Let's not do it. My brother wouldn't allow me to do it when he died. Mm -hmm. He didn't allow it. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> he would... People would get a huge bouquet of flowers. 
I get into disbelief. Oh, there's no God. I hate the way he died. This whole thing is horrible. I'm, I'm not interested. This was when I was around 40. Mm-hmm. And he did a huge bouquet of astromeria flowers. Somebody would get them in my life. That was one of the signs. Because there's always signs of synchronicity. And mm-hmm. I'm always asking evidence. That's the kind of psychic I am. <clears throat> you can talk the talk, but I want evidence. <laughs> right. And, um, and so I'd leave the room. And then when I go back, each flower was completely long stem, beautiful, mm-hmm. completely completely in half, perfectly in half. Mm-hmm. And this happened again and again to the point where I brought some woman I worked for used to get them. And then we'd leave the room and go back and they were broken completely in half. Mm-hmm. And I actually had people come over to, right. to sit with me because I said, look, I'm grieving. I'm going to grieve as long as I need to. I may be a very different person after this. I was not ready for this death. It is not okay with me. Right. You know? Period. Mm-hmm. That's the end of it for me. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. So I say to my friends, but I'm also a psychic. My brother comes in. It looks like something's going to happen. Here's this beautiful bouquet. I'm going to go take take you into the other room. Talk about my disbelief in God. Talk about my disbelief of this and that. My anger and my rage for a few minutes, just a few minutes, you know, and I prepared food for them so they could be nice and comfortable while they sat and listened. And then, I, and then I asked one of them, when I'm done, would you go in and see if the flowers are still upright? And she went in, and they were broken completely in half. Mm-hmm. Now, so, Paul was telling me, you can't do this. You're not going to be able to go this route. You really won't be able to. Because it is dishonoring our love relationship and our understanding. And it is dishonoring all the communication we went through for they 30 want us, years. Our loved ones on the other side want us to know that they are still right here. They're they fine, really. and they want us to be happy because everything is vibration. So when you're when you're when we're steep in grief, and everybody goes through their grief process differently, and I understand that we're all unique beings on a unique path. Um, yeah. But they want us, our spirit, our loved ones want us to be joyful because that is a high vibration, and they can actually communicate with us much easier if our vibration is high. It's hard for them to reach us, and they're trying to communicate with us all the time. It's hard for them to reach us if we're at a low vibration. And they really are a part of what's going on for us here. Mm -hmm. They're a big part of it. They are a huge part of it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? They are, just hearing things out and working things out and being subjected to something or taking hold of something or getting empowered or coming into consciousness. It's not just us alone. It's mm-hmm. also them. Oh, it's yeah. Also well, them. My, my son in spirit has already told me he's proud of this show and he's my co-host. Oh, that's so wonderful. Good. I know we're working together as a team. So. Exactly. Exactly. And we're needing teamwork because we're needing more faith. Because mm-hmm. part of what's produced such a serious a range of problems is a lack of faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Faith in God that people are talking about. Well, they don't really have it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They have. Yes. That's that's the okay. thing I say all the time. Um, people talk about how they believe that we are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience, but a lot exactly. of people don't real. They say they believe that, but they're not living that. So for they're me, not living, it, yeah, but, they're not living their life that way. Yeah. And now we're learning. Like people are learning that you have to use that, you have to use it. Right. It's not just there to be latent and just kind of, you know, dormant in your right. conviction. It's not a conviction. It's a lifestyle. Exactly. It's not exactly. a belief. It's an action. It's an exactly. action. Exactly. So those are the distinctions that I think many people are coming to terms with or beginning to open up and beginning to realize 
wow, I have more responsibility in this lifetime than I had realized. I have more accountability exactly. for eternal life than I had realized. Exactly. It's not something I can have control over. I don't have control over it because mm -hmm. control is very, very big. It's a very big part of everything going on systemically that opens up wounds and assures more woundedness. If we're into healing, that's not our conviction. That's not the belief. The belief is we are all one. Yes. And the belief is, and I think that spirit people coming from the other side now and in these photos are saying, oh, I'm not gone. Man, I'm still it's, here. It's, You're saying I'm here. I'm and still and here. like that client I had had where the father said, please tell me to get rid of my ashes. And he showed me the door. There was a door open with a billion little fairies mm -hmm. in the door. All represent something. They all represent a different kind of consciousness and work and activity. And right. they were all in the pot. And he said, when she does this, I will be free to go to the next level. I can't go. Her hold is so heavy on me. Mm -hmm. I cannot get there yet. And I need to go into the next, the next zone of understanding or comprehension and knowledge. Right. I need to grow. Right. So when right, he was right. saying, please ask her. So it took her a couple of days, and then she did. And he came back and. And he thanked me. He said, mm -hmm. thank you. Mm -hmm. Because we are so interconnected. See, again, oh, yes. it's, that, it's that whole thing of, wow, if only you understood how powerful this is. And I don't mean power in an egocentric sense at all. Right. No. We are so much more empowered. And yes. the churches and the institutions, so many of them, even school educational systems, they're constantly invested in our powerlessness. They're constantly trying to train you to not be convinced of your own power. Exactly. But one of one of the things, um, one of the things uh, of the message of my show is for people to go within, find out yeah. what resonates as true for them, and live that truth. Not just say I believe this, I believe that. If you really believe something, and for me, it's a knowing. I know. I don't even use the word. It's a knowing, and I live. Yeah my knowing i just don't speak it i live it every moment of every day and i encourage other people to do the same thing i agree i want to be sure to give my phone number to the viewers okay well actually what i'm gonna do sweetie i what i do for every show i write a blog post and so you're this is gonna be on not just youtube but blog talk radio and on my website and in the blog post i have all of the information like your oh, um oh, beautiful it's yeah, I'll have all of the links, all of the links that you shared will be right there. Um, so it, I, I don't think it's wise to just give a That's phone wonderful. over there, but they will have access to you through your um, different websites. They will definitely have the link. Oh, that's fine. That's wonderful. Okay. So good. Awesome. Good, yeah. All right. So quite a conversation thank you very much thank you very much thank you very much for being my guest and i think we it's been fascinating because we covered both aspects we talked yeah. but the focus i wanted was to talk about race from the spiritual perspective and we truly did so thank yeah, you so so, so much thank and you anytime you need anything all right uh, I just about to say to you, I'm definitely checking, going to check out your spiritual photographs. And I'll, Great, I'll, and call anytime. Call anytime, we'll chat. Okay. <laughs> Thank you right. so much. Thank you. Okay, have a wonderful Thank you. You Thank have you. a bye -bye. great day. All right. Bye-bye.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.